relationships and all this kind of stuff and some articles uh, from newspapers and different things like that. I wanted, it was, it's basically your family. It's your, you, your brothers, sisters, all that stuff. I wanted to get it to you. So yesterday or day before yesterday, I went back down and I started looking through stuff again. There's a point to this story. It's just going to take me a minute to get there, all right? The point is, I started looking through all these pictures, and I started seeing myself like 20 or 30 years ago. You ever done this, all right? All right. Now, look, man, I was rocking some, there was some clothes that I had on at that point in time, and I rocked it. I had what was called, I'm going to you know, use some slang here, all right, all right. I had what I used to call a butt cut. Did y'all ever have one of those? It's a part down the middle. You know, that's just what it was called back in the day when I was growing up. It's called a butt cut. And it's hard to even think that I had hair that would part, but it did. And so I had it part down the middle. Now, tomorrow remembers this, but my kids don't ever. I had my hair my senior year in college permed in the back. I had grown it out back here long, and I had it permed so that up under my hat, I had a perm, you know, so I, I was a baseball player, so I had the butt cut, right? And then I had my hair permed. So when I was on the mound, man, it was like bushy back here and stuff like this. So there's these pictures of me in my baseball uniform with my perm and stuff like this, and I was up there, you know, you know, and I was like, Man, I had some profile. I was nice and thin, you know, and all this stuff. And I was like, tomorrow was the winner. And now that I look at me now, and I'm like, I am the winner. She has definitely aged a whole lot better, better than I have. But what I was, the, the main point of this is, is I was wearing some clothes. And I kept those clothes because I thought they looked good on me for a long, long time. Have anybody ever done that? You got a shirt. You got a shirt somewhere in your closet or something that's like 20-something years old, right? And you got it, and you're still thinking, one day I'm going to put this back on, and I'll look real good in it. All right? So you pull it back out. It's been in this box for all these years, and you go to put it on, and you realize what has happened to that shirt. Oh, it's gotten a whole lot smaller. Yeah, all right? But the other part about it is, is that has that shirt held up over time? It is not the same shirt, right? You don't remember the pot, the pigs and stuff? I, I, I had some undershirts that I used to wear in football, and I wore them so much that they wore thin to the point where, like, the whole thing was about to fray and come apart. But, man, I thought I looked good in that shirt, so I kept that shirt. And, I mean, it almost had holes in it. Have you ever gotten to that? Things deteriorate over time. Do you get that? Have you deteriorated over time? My head says that I have deteriorated over time. I got pictures. I won't need plugs. I got pictures. I used to have hair right here, all right, right here. But it ain't there no more. Over time, things change. It is called the second law of physics, all right? It's the law of thermodynamics. It basically says that every single thing in this world will break down over time. It is our physical, through our physics, death. It's, death comes to all things. All things do not keep up. And though I've had, I've had newspapers and stuff of clippings that my mom had from when I was a kid, of when I was playing baseball, these articles that were written. Anytime that my name was in the paper, my grandmother and my mother clipped it out. And, and not, they just didn't clip out one copy, did they, tomorrow? Man, there are stacks of Oconee Enterprises down there with my name in them. And look, it's the whole paper, you know, 10 or 12 pages, and my name's like in one sentence on page 9. And we got the whole thing. We got nine of them down there. But I pulled those out. Those newspapers are not nice and fresh. My grandmother used to collect these things. And so uh, there's a 1945 inside a wrapper type thing, New York Times, about the end of the war. 
but it is not nice and fresh. It's all, even though it's inside that piece of paper, um, that, that plastic wrapping, and I have authentication that this is what this is, it's now what? What is it done inside there? It's all yellow and brownish looking and stuff like that. Because what? Over time, it has what? Decayed. Everything that is in this world is breaking down. It is dying. You and I are passing. The clothes, the cars, the houses, nature itself. And though we like to think that there are trees out there that have, that have been around for hundreds of years, and they, they have, that they are going to continue to live on after, they die. Why is that? Because that is a natural process part of the physical nature of this world and who we are. Why is that? There's a word for it in Scripture. It begins with an S and has three letters. It's called sin. When sin entered in, death came with it. Death to all things. And all of these things began to break down. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the last of the seven I am statements. We're going to look at it today. We're going to look at it next Sunday for Easter. And we're going to look at it the Sunday after Easter. And we're going to look at all aspects of it. It's where Jesus says that I am the resurrection and life. Because you need to understand something. There's only one thing in this world that is eternal. And that's your and my soul. And that is eternal. Everything else is going to die. And so as everything else is passing away, we forget about our soul. When actuality is the most important thing that has ever been created. We're the only ones that have it. And because we have it, we can have a relationship with the one who created us. But yet, we don't take care of it. We toss it to the side. We don't look out for it. We don't even understand the true meaning of what it brings us and what it can do for us and what it is to us. And so therefore, a lot of people pass through this life dying every single day, not understanding that they can live. And so as we look at this over the next three weeks, Jesus made a statement in one of the other I am statements. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so this particular statement is going to expand out over the next three weeks as we look at this. I've given you a definition of that so that you can take it home and not think that I was just making all this stuff up. The second law of thermodynamics says this. It is a partial and universal law of decay. The ultimate cause of why everything ultimately falls apart and disintegrates over time. Material things are not eternal. Now look, this is the world definition of this. You getting this? This is not a spiritual definition of this. Everything appears to change eventually, and chaos increases. Nothing stays as fresh as the day it is bought. Clothing becomes faded. Everything ages and wears out. Even death is a manifestation of this law. Proverbs 14, 12, and then again in 16, 25 says this, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. We think that we can control all of this. We naturally think that over time, by putting a newspaper and a piece of plastic and vacuum sealing it and everything like that, it's going to keep it fresh and it's all going to look nice and great. But it doesn't. 
We hold on to all of these things for years of our lives, and then we even pass them down to our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. But over time, what happens? They break down. They're not meant to last that long. So as we look at death, we've got to see there's only one thing that can overcome that. So let's put our focus in that, and let's read this this morning. So the story we're going to look at for this is found in John chapter 11. Now look, it's going to take us a while to actually get to the statement uh, where he says that I am the resurrection and the life, but the story that it begins with is the story of Lazarus, all right? And so we'll pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 11 in John. It says this, A certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped her feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not going to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and uh, and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. Then skipping on down to verses 14 and 15, it says this. So Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not here, so that you may believe, but let us go up to him. So now, look, this is what's going on. So the situation in this story is, and we, we forget about this a lot in Scripture, but you need to understand the reality of this. So there were 12 guys that hung out with Jesus, right? But those 12 guys, there was a, that was basically Christ's entourage, his disciples, the ones he was pouring into. But outside of that, there was this group. And there was a group of people that actually took care of the Lord wherever he went. So Bethany is outside of Jerusalem, and so down there, he would go to Lazarus, Mary, and Martha's. Now look up where he was from, um, which is around the Sea of Galilee, his mom, and then it talked about uh, Peter's mother-in-law and through Scripture. There was group, there were places that he would go, and houses that he would stay in, and people that would welcome him in so that he could rest, eat, sleep, all the different things that were going on. So this is one of those places. This is one of those groups of people. So they weren't the 12 disciples, but they were the ones that really kept them up and running and kept them going, all right? So they find out that of this household, Lazarus, the brother, is what? He's dying. And so Jesus speaks, and Jesus says, look, this is going to turn out for good. He is not going to die. But then he makes a statement. He says, I'm going to hang out here for how long? Two more days. So when the statement or the word comes to the Lord, does the Lord immediately drop everything and head to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house? He does not. He does not do that because he knows that this is going to end in the glorification of the Lord God Almighty. God's got a plan. We forget this. We make our own plans a lot of times, and we start planning around our demise. A lot of the things that we do is set up so that things can take place and go on after we're gone. How much of our time do we think about us not being here? Do you ever think about that? I think about that a lot. 
I think about what would happen to my wife, what would happen to my children, who would take care of this, who would be here. Would y'all get somebody next Sunday if I wasn't here? Would y'all get somebody to fill in for me, or would you just mourn all day? It's, it's okay. You, you can laugh at that. That's good. Um, I appreciate you, Marcia, because that's the reality. You need to go on, right? We spend a lot of time thinking about what's going to happen if we're not a part of something. We, we need to realize that is going to be a part one day. It's naturally going to happen. It's not that, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen when we think it's going to happen either. So we need to focus on the things that God would have us focus on. The Lord says that we're in control of what? Right now. The things that have happened in the past are behind us. And the things that are in the future, we had not gotten there yet, right? So this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Now look, Mary and Martha and Lazarus in their household was thinking what? This man is sick. We need the Lord to be here. And we need the Lord to be here when? Right now. The Lord tarried in their mind. But in actuality, he was doing that so that he could what? Reveal himself to those folks, everyone around them, to show them the reality. Here's the main point, though. This is the first death. This story is giving us the example of the first death. That death is the physical death of us all. It's the physical death. It happens to everything. So, let me tell you what I did. Some of you might not like it or, or whatever. But of the seven or eight copies that I had of the old papers and stuff like that, I would keep one or two of them, and I went out in my backyard, and I burned the rest. I got rid of them. I did away with them. I think in my backyard in the last few weeks... I've gone through about five different burnings of stuff. I had bank account receipts from 2005. How many of y'all got those in your house somewhere? I had to keep, I was a pastor, I had to keep all my records. They can come back and audit me for seven years. I had to keep all my bank statements. And I've always naturally done that. I'm throwing away and I'm burning bank statements from 2005, man. I'm still hauling those around in boxes. We got to let this stuff go that has happened in the past. We got to realize that God has given us life today. This life, this physical life for us is going to pass. We can't worry about that. We got to be about the business of what the Lord wants us to do. We can't be thinking about the days ahead. We got to be thinking about right now. Jesus was like, I'm not done here yet. I'm going to wait here a couple of days and finish what I'm doing, and then I'm going to go there and take care of that. God does what God does in his own time. Some of us may never see the reality of what God has done in our life physically. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, think about it. Taylor may one day be a musical star, long after I'm gone, and she can remember the day that she was up here leading worship at Mount Salem Baptist Church. The reality of who she may be when she's 50, 60, or 70 years of age herself, 
I'm probably not going to physically see that. Or if I do, I probably physically won't be able to see it because they'll be just pushing me around and I won't even know where I'm at. But we had an opportunity, all of us here at this church, to pour into somebody's life. Those kids back there, right now. What are all the little Bogards going to grow up to be one day? This church, you physically have an opportunity to pour into their lives. You may never see what they truly become. Presley. May never see what she truly becomes in her life. But we have an opportunity right now as a family of God to do. Do we see that every morning when we come here? Or do we go, I got children's church today. Lord be with me. I need an extra special prayer today. I got to take care of the kids in Sunday school. Or do you see, do we come here this morning? We talked about this in Sunday school. Do you come here with the expectation that God's going to show up? Or do you come here on Sunday morning thinking, it's the 14th, it's Palm Sunday, it's a special day. I hope he gets done by 12. Are we just moving through this? Is, is the clock just clicking off? Are we just making time? Are we just riding down the road, counting all the mile markers that go right by us, never taking notice of it? Or are we pouring? Are we pouring in? We're all going to die. Everything that you own is going to be disseminated out to somebody else. And a few years from now, they, they may be in your back, their backyard burning it. And you think it's important. And I think it's important. I got baseball cards. I got baseball cards from the 80s, man. I got a Ricky Henderson rookie year card. That thing's worth about 100 bucks. I got it in a pack of gum for about 50 cents. It's in a book. I've got it. It's in a little cellophane wrapper. Clay could care less. He probably has no idea who Ricky Henderson is. <laughs> Much less that the card value of it is worth that money. You know, I think it's money. I'm hanging on to it. Tomorrow's going, why do you still got these? Because, in fact, you know what? I got a big box that I've whittled down over the years. But it's just random cards. One of those guys is going to be famous one day, maybe, for something. That card's going to be worth something. We're just hanging on to it, thinking. We're just walking through life, thinking. And it's passing us by. We've got to get busy about the work that God has called us to. We've got to get busy living the life that he's called us to. We're all going to pass. This is the physical death. Scripture says this, Inasmuch as it is appointed for one man to die once, and then comes the judgment. This is important. We'll catch this in a second. This death that we're dealing with, the physical death, has to deal with sin and salvation. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. So the death that Christ died, he died to make or do away with sin so that we can have salvation. He made a way for us to have salvation and do away with sin. 
For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. So, look, sin was in the world. There was no way to eradicate it of ourselves because we're all born of the flesh. So the natural state of man is always the natural state of man. That's why Jesus Christ was what? He was not born of a man, was he? The Holy Spirit is the birth father. So the Spirit of God came upon Mary. Mary gives birth to Christ. And so Christ dies and he breaks that natural sin barrier for all of us. We're born into this. So he provides the road of salvation to us while at the same time doing away with sin. His death did away with the effects of a natural death if we'll believe. If we'll have faith. If we'll receive him as Lord and Savior of our lives. If that happens, then this physical death doesn't matter. But it's all going to happen. We can't stop it. So we must get busy about giving our life to the one who can make this life worth living. First death. It's a physical one dealing with sin and salvation. The second death is a spiritual death. It has to do with faith. Now I'm going to pull a passage from Luke chapter 16 to give you the example of this and then we'll go to Revelation in chapter 20 to finish this. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels. There's a poor man and a rich man, all right? And the, the poor man is at the table of the rich man. He's just hoping to get all the scraps that were there, okay? So the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, meaning he was with the Father in heaven. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes. This is important. I'm going to explain this to you, all right? Being in torment, he saw Abraham from far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And that, that was the poor man's name, by the way, was Lazarus. And he cried out and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in agony in this flame. And besides all this, between us there is a chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from here to us. Okay, so... Jesus comes, he does away with sin and salvation through his death. Okay? So, when someone's a believer and follower of Christ, Scripture says that when we die, we're where? In heaven. He tells the thief on the cross this. He says that when you die today on this cross, you will be with my Father in heaven. So, th this is another example right here. This example is of a poor man. He dies and he sa says that he's immediately where? At Abraham's bosom. Where is Abraham? Abraham's in heaven. So he is in heaven with Abraham. Now the rich guy, the one that was his adversary, the one that didn't choose to follow the Lord, he dies. Where does he end up? Where does the scripture say there? Hades. All right, this is really important. We don't talk about this a lot in the church, but those who die separated from the Father don't immediately go to hell. We're going to get there in just a minute. They end up in this place called Hades. Now, is it a good place? Where's this guy describing right here? He's like, no, this is not a good place. It's a place of torment. All right? It's a place where, as he describes, there's an endless thirst. But at this point in time right now in Hades, what can you do? You can look over and what? 
see heaven and see what's going on over in heaven. So those who have died separated from the Father are living in an eternal torment, which right now is in a holding place called Hades. But they can see over to what? Those who have joined the Father in heaven. Now think about that. We spend our entire lives thinking about what we can do here and what's going to go on afterwards when we know that every single one of us is going to die. But the one thing that is eternal, which is our soul, we won't spend any time thinking about. But one day, that door will be closed and we will not be able to open it back up. But for at least a period of time, those who have passed from this world are able to look over and to see the joy of heaven. Now here's the second part of this. This is found in Revelations. Now this is where it gets to where there's a second death. Then death and Hades, it says in Revelations chapter 20, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. It is appointed unto a man once to die. You and I will experience one death and one death only. That's the physical death of leaving this body and going eternally to spend our life with the Father in heaven. It's an instantaneous thing. We're not hanging around here. We're not ghosts walking on this world. We're not in purgatory. We're not in any of that kind of stuff. To die from here is to be where? With the Father in heaven. So instantaneously, we will be with the Father, Father in heaven eternally, not wanting to come back. We're not wanting to come back. Why? Because there's sin in this world and everything in this world is breaking down over time. What is going on in heaven? None of that. No pain, no sorrow, none of that. Now look, for those who are separated from the Father, think about this. Once that happens, the door for them to be able to walk through that is closed. They can never open that back up. They can only for a period of time look over and to see. And then one day when the final judgment comes, they're going to die a second time. And it's far worse than the first. Why should, be, why should we be out sharing the gospel with people? They are lost. They do not realize this. They're not only going to die a physical death, they're going to die a spiritual death. And one day, they're in a holding place, which is a place of torment and torture. But then... It comes along for a second death where all of that torment and torture and the one that they've aligned themselves with, Satan, is going to be thrown into this lake of fire. And that's the second death. Do you catch what the second death? The second death is spiritual in the fact that you will eternally be separated from the Father. God is light, and in him there is no darkness of all, at all. But the absence of God is total what? Total darkness. How many of you are scared of the dark? It's okay. You can raise your hand. Come on, even the guys in here. If it's pitch back and you hear something and you can't see anything, it scares the bejeebies out of you. Y'all are all real men right now, and I'm with you, brother. But let me tell you this. You get out there in the middle of the night, and there's nothing and something's crawling around, and you don't know what it is, and you can't see it, you're coming out of your skin. No doubt. Now think about that eternally. The absence of the Father is pure darkness. 
How about eternal torture and torment and not being able to see a thing? See, people have no realization, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but people have no realization of the decisions that they are making today. Their decision is temporal because this life is temporal. And we are looking and trying to keep hold of everything that is passing and forgetting about the one thing that's going to live forever. And in doing so, people are lost. And we see the effects of that lostness, and we start thinking about these people are bad people, and they do bad things. But the reality of the depth of what that is going to be like eternally is beyond fathoms for us. I don't think that there's any way, shape, form, or fashion that we can understand and know what that separation from God is going to be like. I mean, we only have feelings here, right? And those feelings that we have are physical. And it says in Scripture that our mind is limited. And it says in Scripture that our thoughts are, are not God's thoughts and our ways are not His ways. So there's no way that we can fully fathom and understand everything that happens. In fact, when Jesus took on human form, there were things that had to be laid aside because the body physically couldn't handle it. And there's positives to that. There's huge amounts of positives to that. But there's also this darkness. So the vastness of the darkness... The vastness of the separation from God. The chasm that is created that can never be crossed. I don't think we realize. And we have firemen in here, and we have policemen in here, and we've had, and, and, and some of you may have experienced it in your life, come across some of the worst things imaginable that you could ever think. That's nothing in comparison. And we don't grasp that because we're caught up in this. We're caught up in the flesh. We're caught up in leaving our legacy and we're caught up in leaving our name. We're caught up in what's going on in our lives. Mary and Martha did not fully understand. We're going to continue reading in this story next week and they're going to start to see as God through Christ Jesus reveals what's going to happen here. And as he starts to reveal that, we're going to see that death and the things of death, the things of this world, are not what we should be focused on. I may have told y'all this. I'm going to close with this story. So we had some, we were kind of talking about this one time, one, and when back in the day when we had a Sunday school class at Mars Hill Baptist Church. And look, we were all young couples at this point, all young couples with young children. 
So this was, this was a pretty thriving Sunday school class. There were probably about, I would say about 10 couples. So I mean, when we would get together, there'd be every bit of 20 or 30 kids that were involved in all this kind of stuff. And so everybody was focused on their house and just trying really to keep up with your house. As a young couple, don't you constantly try to do that? Please put this back, put this back up. This place is a mess. It's a wreck all the time, all this stuff. And you're trying to take care of the things in which you've spent money to buy, but they're tearing them up constantly like your furniture. Or You know, we had a table that we, that we had that was our dining room table. Thank the Lord for tablecloths because it had nicks and it had paint on it. It had everything. We finally, did we give that away from our yard sale or did somebody actually buy that? Someone bought it. It was amazing because, I mean, I looked at that table and I went, that's our life history right here, but we just let the kids, we were like, this table's lost. There's just no hope for it. And so it, they just went and did whatever. Well, there was one particular couple in there and, and this lady had nice stuff. She had three kids and nice stuff. Didn't go well together. She was constantly yelling at her children about that. In fact, it was becoming a part of what the children endeared her to. In other words, you'd ask the kids and they'd go, Mama's always yelling at us because we got to do this and do that. We can't touch this. We can't touch that. All these different things. We went through this kind of lesson right here in our Sunday school class and an amazing transformation happened in that woman's life. We would have small groups and we would meet and get together and eat and stuff on Sunday nights. And so the next time we rotated to their house, she had gone and on the back of her furniture, it was she had put post-it notes everywhere. This is going to burn up one day. This is going to be gone one day. She had left herself all around her house little reminders that all this stuff that she had accumulated over time is one day not going to be here. And it helped her. It helped her in her relationship to God, and it helped her in her relationship with her kids because she was finally allowing them to crawl all over her furniture, which she loved, and she wasn't worried about it. You see, life started happening because she wasn't thinking about what she thought was going to be eternal when it wasn't eternal. She started thinking about what was eternal. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. He is the resurrection, which we'll talk about next week, and the life. Why? Because he has overcome death. And because he has overcome death, you and I can live. Live. Are you ready to live today? Are we ready to start doing away with all the things that we thought were important? I'm not going to the hair club for men. I'm not spending any money there. It's gone. It's fallen out. It's not coming back. My wife has not left me. She's okay with it. I'm okay with it. There are clothes that I have thrown away because although I've told myself I'm one day going to get back into them, I'm never getting back into them. I can't even get one leg in them now. They're gone. I don't even know if people that I gave them to at Goodwill are even going to wear them. They're that old. Can we start living life like that? 
Can we stop worrying about what has passed and is, is no more? Can we stop worrying about what lies before us? Because we never know if we're ever going to get there. And can we start living for today, the day that the Lord has made? Can we put a smile on our face and do that? Because we're going to rejoice and be glad in it, right? If we do that, our focus and our hearts will be in the right place. And what will happen is that God will move. That's what I want to see. I hope that's what you want to see. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the fact that you've given us life. You've given us life abundantly. Father, we have overcome death. Not the physical death that's going to take care of all of us. But, Father, we have overcome the spiritual death. It has been given to man once to die. We're going to die once. But those separated from you, they're going to die a second death. A death of eternal separation from you. And, Father, I pray for all of those that we know right now that we've come in contact with and that we have relationships with that are focused on all the wrong stuff. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to lay it all down. I pray that you help us to realize that even if we pass it on someday, somebody else may not see it the same way we see it. And that even if we do pass it on, it's going to break down over time. And the things that we value this day will not be the things that someone else values. Lord, we love you. Help us to remember that you loved us and that you died for us and that that's the thing that's most important. These things we ask now in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.